I'm continuing on Spirit Empowered Church. This is the fifth message on the Spirit Empowered Church. And uh, so I want to ask you a question. <clears throat> would, you like, would you like God to bless you? If yes, quickly raise your hand. Yes. Okay. Would you think it's possible for God to bless you so much that your life actually impacts nations? Would you think it's possible? Okay, so in theory, yes. But do you actually believe it? <laughs> that God wants to bless you in such a way that your life would impact nations? And if so, how do we position ourselves in that place where, where our lives don't only impact a, a local community, but a city, a region, and beyond? And so I want to take you to Abraham. I want to share a few stories about Abraham's life, about a key, I believe, that the Lord reveals through Abraham's life that, that, that shows us how we can position ourselves in a place where God can bless us and exceedingly, exceedingly bless us. Okay, so you agree you want to be blessed? You want to be blessed. Okay, so I'm going to give you a few keys to how to be blessed. And I'll give you some background. I mean, if you would interview me uh, 20 years from now, when I've arrived, then you would ask me, okay, Andre, so how did you, what's the, what's the key? What is the key thing that's been defining your life since you've come to Christ that has led you on this journey where today we see nations being impacted through your life? Okay, that's 20 years from now. Maybe 10. Let's see. <laughs> I've been, I've been asking, Mike, what, 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 what would my answer be? And that's, I'm going to give you the answer. I want to, I want to reveal to you, I believe, something that, that I didn't re- see as clearly before, but I just, I just realized this has been something that's, that's part of my DNA, sort of my, part of my spiritual DNA that I believe every Christian should have and is defining for be, positioning yourself in a place where you can actually impact nations. What is that? <laughs> What is that secret ingredient key thing? Let me, let me take you to the first verse. I'm taking you to Genesis 22. It's a story of uh, account of Abram sacrificing Isaac. And then at the end of the passage, this. It says, in your seed. So he speaks, God speaking to Abram and he's saying, Abram, in your seed, those coming off to you. All the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Why? Because you've obeyed my voice. Isn't that amazing? Let's, let's read that together. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. There's something there. And, and looking back at my journey, I, I realized Sonic and I wouldn't even be here today if we didn't obey the voice of God. And if we didn't obey the voice of God at key moments in our lives. I was studying engineering uh, in Stellenbosch. I was finishing up my master's degree. And it was one night, it was a Tuesday night, I think, or Monday night, not sure. Around 12 o'clock, I was speaking to a friend over the phone. And around 12 o'clock that night, as I just went to bed, I put my head on the pillow, and suddenly I heard the voice of God tell me, 
apply for a job at church, Shofar Stellenbosch. I was like, whoa, that's radical. That's different. But the Lord has been preparing me uh, uh, up to that point. I came to a point where I I realized money doesn't excite me. Important, you know, rubbing shoulders with important people doesn't excite me. I was like, I was actually in that season before that time, I I wasn't enjoying Life in a sense. And I was asking myself, when, when was I happy? When was I truly full of life, full of joy? I mean, I had a sense of purpose. And I realized it was when I was involved with church. So that night, 12 o'clock, I heard the voice of God say to me, apply for a job at church. Around 2 o'clock, I wrote a letter. 9 o'clock the next morning, half past 8 the next morning, I gave it to Pastor Sears. Half past 11 that morning, the senior pastor, Pastor Fred May, phoned me and asked me, are you in? I said, I'm in. Two days later, I started to work at the church. My whole life changed. I thought it was going to be for six months. It's now been 14 years. But it was a key moment. Looking back, there was a a two-day window of opportunity for me to go into the full-time ministry. Otherwise, they would have appointed another guy. I had two days. I didn't know. In that moment, God spoke to me, and I stepped out. And, 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 and the blessing that has followed, I found myself like a fish in the water, made for this. I thought, I'm just going to do admin. And you meet Pastor Henny next week. We started two days, this two days together. We were roomies as well. And we thought we are just going to do some admin at church. And then Pastor Fred said, um, you guys are preaching. What? Are you crazy? And then we thought, well, we actually like this. <laughs> this is actually great. But I had to obey the voice of God to position myself in a place of blessing. And along every season, it seems there were these key moments that I had to hear the voice of God and I had to obey his voice. Some years later, we were at Shofar Tigerberg, Belleville area, and uh, the guys wanted to move us to uh, back to Stellenbosch. They wanted me to go help with some things there. But we weren't happy about it. Wasn't, we didn't want to do it. And I remember we were sitting, both on a car. There was like a whole week that I had like, this uneasiness in my gut. Like, um, something isn't right. Something isn't right. It was going on for a few days. And the one evening, Sonica, we were sitting together in bed. And then I sat this like pain right over there. Like, ugh. What is this? I'm not in sin. <laughs> not that I know of. I'm not doing anything wrong. What's, what's going on? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what's going on. And then at some point, I, I, I was like, God, what, what are you saying? And then I realized God is saying, go back to Stellenbosch. Go back. As, as they want you to go, do it. And it's like leaving. I mean, it was so, we were leaving our friends. We, it was really, really tough. I had no idea. It was almost like a demotion. I was in ministry going to an admin job. It was really humbling. All I knew is I couldn't see the future, but I knew God was speaking. Just do it. Yes, you can't see what's coming, but just do it. I can see. And so we had to, <laughs> then I moved back to Stellenbosch. And, but we were there for about two years, and after about two years, the opportunity to come to East London came. We would have never come to East London if I didn't obey that, that urgency, that sense of go. The voice of God. The voice of God. 
So if you want to be blessed, we need to say to Abraham, because you have obeyed my voice, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. You see, there's something that happens when you obey God, you reposition yourself in the will of God, in the place of blessing. And then you position yourself again, and again, you get blessed. It's like Jesus is moving. Are you following? Are you following? So a spirit-empowered church, this is, this is what this, this whole series is about. A spirit-empowered church is a spirit-led church. Spirit-led. You need to be led by the spirit. You need to hear the voice of God. You need to be spirit-led. And so yesterday we had the outreach at, uh, at Southernwood. And uh, so before the time we prayed, we said, okay, God, we want to do, we want to go where your spirit is leading. So we filled in a little map thingy, and I did the same the previous Saturday. Last week, Saturday, I felt green top with Adidas on it. Because I felt like, I felt the Holy Spirit saying, say, there's someone with a green top and Adidas on it. Last week, I didn't find any green tops. No Adidas. So now I'm, this Saturday, yesterday again, I'm, I'm sitting, I'm praying, okay, God speak to me. I get green top Adidas. I'm like, I'm stuck. I'm stuck. On Green Top and Adidas. What the heck is going on? So anyway, I write it down. So Slim and me, we go go walk. He had a word for somewhere. So we went down that direction. So Slim starts to speak to someone. And then I see a guy standing there with a green shirt. No Adidas, but Puma. <laughs> I think, hey, it's green. It's close enough. Let's go with this. So we chatted to him. His name is Vui. Let me get this again. Vuyani. Vuyani. So Vuyani is a painter, but his shoulder and his arm is, is, is messed up. He can't paint anymore. So we said, well, can we pray for you? So we prayed for Vuyani, and, uh, and we, I think we prayed twice, and uh, we had his arm tested 100%. He's like, yeah, no pain, no pain. Wax on, wax off. You know, it's just like he can hoy. So he was healed. No pain, zero pain. And he says his shoulder arm was stuffed. And then we led him to Jesus because his relationship with Jesus isn't great. So we prayed with him and he made a commitment to Jesus. I'm thinking, yes, this is awesome. Spirit led. So we go up the road a little bit further, praying, chatting to some people, wonderful chats with people, sharing to them, t- telling them our stories, our testimony, what Jesus has done in our lives, having a great time. And then I saw a lady, bright bright green top with big Adidas. And she goes into the optometrist. So I'm going there, I'm standing, I'm looking at her like a stalker. So she's chatting to the guy and she's taking a long time. So I'm standing outside of the, the shop is there, I'm standing outside. And then these two guys come and stand and the one guy stands there, I'm looking at him, green top Adidas. I say, hey, I need to speak to you. I took out my treasure map. I said, hey, look, I wrote this morning. I felt there's someone in God's heart. He's got a green top with Adidas. Look there, green top, Adidas. He's like, yo. <laughs> and so I asked him about his relationship with God. And he, uh, he, they go to church. He and his friend goes to church sometimes. But uh, no, he doesn't really live the life. But he believes, but he doesn't live the life. And so we had a great chat with him, with him. 
And they said they're going to come to church tonight. They're in Southernwood. And I said, are you lying to me? Are you lying to me? Because last week I spoke to people who said they're coming and they didn't come. Are you a liar? No, 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 no. We know no liar. You will see me. You will see me. Okay, we're going to see if we're going to see them. But anyways, I had a good chat. And then the girl in the optometrist, she just keeps on sitting there. It's like for 30 minutes, are we chatting and praying for people, having a wonderful time? I'm like, girl, you know, we can't wait forever. So I told Slim, stuff this, I'm going in. So I walk in, I asked the optometrist and the guy, are you guys, are you busy with the consultation? No, no, they were chatting. So, okay, sorry. So I just testified to the optometrist and to the girl, took out the treasure map, gave her a chocolate. She was like, wow, this is awesome, weird, but awesome. <laughs> and uh, then we left and uh, we walked up the street. I found a guy, uh, I think in his 40s. And uh, he, uh, had, he has major back problems. He was a postman. Major back problems like out of a zero to ten, he's got pain levels of eight. Ten being maximum, eight pain levels. Like well, His back is really messed up. So I prayed for him. I prayed three times for him, and the pain went from level eight to level three. Yay, Jesus. That was awesome. Anyway, so he's going to bring his six-year-old boy to church who's, been, who's had an epileptic seizure or fit or something. That Anyway, we're going to... Follow, on, follow up with a family. But the other girl who was in the optometrist also came looking for us, trying to figure out what is this, guys. And then we had a wonderful time of prayer with her, blessing her. We're looking for, she's looking for a job. It was just amazing. So Slim and me walking back, we're like, yeah. This is Slim said he feels alive. After sharing his faith and sharing his testimony and praying for people to be healed, it was awesome. Jesus is moving. But you need to be spirit-led. Because when you are spirit-led, you become spirit-empowered. When you are spirit-led, you become spirit-empowered. This is why most forms of Christianity are so dry, so empty, and so powerless. Because we're not spirit-led. But when we are spirit-led, we become spirit-empowered. Okay, but there's something that needs to happen on the inside. So let me take you to this, to the, to the account. Genesis 22. So Abraham has been walking with God for a season. So we're going to look at how, how do we become more spirit-led? Okay. So we're going to look at that. So Abraham has been walking with God for, for many years, and he's been growing in faith. So, and now comes the ultimate test. Verse 1 to 2, Genesis 22. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. And said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. What a test. I mean, God comes to Abraham to test what's in his heart. Abraham, are you going to obey me? Are you going to do what I tell you, even if it's... The biggest sacrifice ever. And I think this is one of the keys for being spirit-led. It's like, okay, God, whatever you want, I will do that. Now, what you must understand from this passage, it's an Old Testament passage pointing to the New Testament reality of Christ. It's a shadow of Christ coming, the Son of God dying on a cross for us. God the Father giving His Son. 
Okay, as you know the account, Abram never sacrificed his son. God didn't want him to sacrifice his son. God will never tell you to sacrifice your child. Okay, it's against the scripture. You never do anything that you feel God is saying to you if it's blatantly sinful. Okay, can I have a deal? No one killing their kids. Amen. Thank you. But the point is, there is a laying down of things that are important to us. You see, it's one thing to say, okay, God, I want to follow you. I want to do what you want me to do. But I still want to hold on to all my other things. Now, you have to let go of your other things so that you can follow him. Your heart needs to be set free from things that it wants to hold you back so that you can obey him. So anyway, so God comes and he tests Abram. He says, Abram, am I truly your God? Can I trust you? And do you trust me? We're revealing what is in Abram's heart. So this is in a sense also a picture of true salvation. When you and I come to Christ, there's a laying down of self. So many people do this. They come to God, but they actually just add him to the pantheon of gods. Money, power, sex, all the other things. Oh, and Jesus. Ah, Jesus. Cute Jesus. Yay. Sunday Jesus. Oh, he's so, oh, look. Like a little bunny rabbit. Yo, could you cook you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yo, you sit over there. So many people do that. It's like, little, little bunny rabbit Jesus. Oh, so, oh, look. Nee. Is that God? No, that's not God. That's an idol. That's, that's a false God. That's not the real God. The real God's powerful. And he says, come, lay down your life. Come and lay down everything. And then I'm going to bless you. <laughs> I'm going to bless you beyond your wildest dreams. So Isaiah 1 verse 18 to 20 speaks of this. How do we become more spirit-led? It says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet... They shall be as white as snow. It's like, even though it's like 30 liters of red paint being thrown over you, being poured over you. That's now you, you red. That's you sinful. That's like, whoa, that's like scarlet. You, 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 it's impossible to sin more than you've sinned. You covered, covered in it. Then it says, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. I'm going to wash you clean. I'm going to make you new. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And then verse 19. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Let's say it. Say willing and obedient. So you need both. You need to be willing and obedient. Look at this. Willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. You're going to be blessed. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. So if you're stubborn... If you say, now I'm going to do my own thing. You, it says you will be devoured by the sword. You will find trouble and pain. I shared in the email this week, but last week I, was, I, I met a, a dad and two sons on the streets in Southernwood. And uh, just had a quick chat, invited them to church. And then the dad, the next night they came to church. They surrendered their lives to Christ. They came yesterday to the outreach, had a wonderful time. But the dad shared with me that he went to church or after he met me on the street, he went home, he saw his old brown sherry bottle, and he's an, he's an alcoholic. When he saw his bottle, he took it and he poured it down the drain. 
I think that's so epic. Just after a two-minute chat on the street, this man realized, I want to make my life right with God, and I know this doesn't work. And I didn't say anything about alcohol. And he poured it down the drain. I think that's so amazing. But there, there needs to be a willingness to obey. What is a willingness? A willingness is like God... Or what would be an unwillingness? Unwillingness would be like, oh God, if you really want me to do it, you know, think about it, pray about it, maybe, you know, ah, I don't really feel like it. But if you really want me to do it, I'll think about it. Ah, God's going to pass you by. He's going to move on. But if you come to a point, you say, God, I love you with all my heart. You're my everything. I want to know you. I want to see your kingdom come. Me. Pick me. <laughs> Yeah, you know, a crowd of people. Me. <laughs> me. Me, please, Jesus. Me. That's willingness. Please pick me. I want to. I want to. You know, but when you start off, it, you don't see things clearly. It's a step of faith. It looks even like a sacrifice. It isn't. Because he blesses you beyond anything you've imagined. This is what Sonic and I have experienced. I mean, since we've come to Christ and since we've been married, Jesus has been... It's been seek first the kingdom of God. That's it. The, the, the sacrifice we've made, it's sometimes been tough. But the end result was we're blessed. Blessed. I really believe God's going to impact cities and nations if we obey his voice. If we obey his voice. If you obey his voice. Listen. Listen to his voice. How do, where does it start? It starts with reading the scriptures and just doing it. You read it, it speaks to you, okay, let's do this. It starts with the scriptures. Read the scriptures until it consumes you. So willing and obedient, but if you're stubborn like a mule, you will, you will experience pain. I had a tough, this, tough uh, experience. One of the toughest lessons I've ever learned was I was at the University of Stellenbosch, I, I stood for the student council of the university, and I, was, I, I came onto the, the council for one year. Then I felt I needed to stand for a second year. But I wasn't sure, should I stand for chairman? Should I stand for something else? I couldn't get peace. I couldn't get peace. I, couldn't get, I felt I should do it, but I, didn't, I couldn't find peace. And so I was sitting in the library, and I was studying, and then suddenly it fell into my heart. The Lord spoke to me and said, don't stand for chairman, stand for vice chair. I think, and suddenly peace, incredible peace. And I started to tell everybody I'm going to stand for vice chair, not for chair. You know, I was a young Christian. I haven't grown sufficiently. I wasn't yet capable of handling a, a chairman position. It's, it's really hectic. But so anyway, so a friend of mine, I told a friend of mine about this, and he said, no, man, that's stupid. Stand for chair, and you, if you don't make chair, you get vice chair, you know, which makes sense. But I knew God spoke to me. I knew God spoke to me. Anyway, so I went for chair. And it was like posters, the whole campus. You have like 30 public meetings where you have to tell a few hundred people why you're doing it, what you're standing for. And I'm the Christian. I'm the Christian. And I've got a big target on my forehead. <laughs> it was hectic. Anyway, so things went sour. It went really bad. It didn't go great. I just barely made it back onto the student council. But I remember the one time I was, they called it a circus because it's a blooming circus. 
So it was a public meeting, few hundred people. I've been praying for hours before the time in one of the gardens there, praying, you know, yes, Jesus with me, Jesus with me. And then I went to the public meeting, and then there these guys came, and they attacked me verbally. They cussed me out. There was a bunch of uh, pro-homosexuals. They uh, cussed me out. They swore at me. They ripped me apart in front of a few hundred people. And uh, because I'm the Christian. And I remember I wanted to say something and I couldn't say anything. It's like, thought gone. Uh, thought gone. Thought gone. I was like, this sucks. <sighs> it was incredibly humiliating. And I just made it back onto the student council. And I remember, and it was, it was, it was painful. It was, it was really, really painful. Because God is with me and what's going on? I don't understand. Three months later, I was praying, and then I heard the voice of God ask me a question. Okay, so Andre, um, who, who do you think sent those guys to say those things? Who, who, who sent them? Uh, God, I don't know. I f- and I felt God say to me, I sent them because you disobeyed me. I told you, stand for vice chair. Yo, the fear of God came upon me from that day. If you know someone that obeys God, it's me. But there was a beautiful lesson I learned. One of the most profound lessons I've learned in my life. God had to give me, my dad gave me a bit of a hiding. Because he loves me. And he knew that if I don't get this, one day down the line, I'm going to be walking into a minefield. My leg's going to get blown off, metaphorically speaking. And I learned obedience, 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 because that's the safe space where God wants us to be. I know it's a bit of a hectic story, but I'd rather learn it there than the consequences be so much worse. If you want to be blessed, obey the voice of God. If you want to have pain and suffering and disappointment and humiliation, disobey. Not because God's doing it to you, but because you've gone off track. You've walked into the minefield. Amen. Doesn't make sense. But if you want to impact nations, obey. 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 So let's look at this. Next verse. Genesis 22 verse 3. So Abram rose early. After, now God has told him, now go and sacrifice your only son. Lay him down. And it says, so Abram rose early in the morning. How's that for implicit obedience? Next morning. Probably didn't sleep much that night. Saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac, his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. It's the land of Moriah. It's the same place where Jesus was crucified a few thousand years later. So this was a shadow of what was going to come. Then in Genesis 22 verse 5. And Abram said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, the lad, and I will go yonder and worship. And we will come back to you. Amazing. First time in the scriptures, the word worship is used. First time. And when it's the first time, it normally it gives a very specific definition of what real worship is. In this context, worship is obedience. 
Real worship is obedience. I'm going to do the will of God, although I don't understand it. I'm going to do the will of God, although it doesn't seem like a good idea. I'm going to do the will of God, even though this is actually quite scary. I'm going to, I'm going to die. Abraham would rather have sacrificed himself than his own son. All his promises, his future was dependent on Isaac. All the promise of God were dependent on Isaac. And yet Abraham came and said, God, whatever you want, I'll do it. Because I trust you. That's real worship. You know, we can sing songs on Sunday and it's wonderful. But I, I think God's like, but if you don't obey me, I, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know what to do with singing songs to me, but you go out there and you, and you flat ignore what I'm saying to you. Am I really your God? You're saying, how great thou art. My God, I surrender you all I need. And yet you disobey. I don't think God knows what to do with it. It's like, you're not going to have intimacy with him. Obedience. But the highest level of worship is to trust God from the heart. Do you trust him enough to do what he tells you, although you can't see the rest? Every move of God, everything God would tell us to do, if it's a business venture, if it's a stepping out in faith for something, if it's moving somewhere, it always starts with, I don't have a clue what's coming. But God, if it's you, it's going to be good. I'm going to trust you with all my heart. That's worship. You know, when Sonekai came here to East London, she was eight months pregnant. We had just built our most beautiful house there in Cape Town. And we were so, everything was wonderful. And yet we knew God saying, come, move, go, do. Freaked me out. But the blessing, the blessing, the blessing. The blessing that follows. It's incredible. I'm not saying now move away. But if God says, go away from East London, go somewhere else, you must go. But also, if God says, stay in East London and you hate the place, stay. Even if it's just for me. Just stay. <laughs> but obedience, obedience, obedience. But there needs to be a willingness from the heart. The highest level of worship is to trust God from the heart. Worship is obedience. I want to quickly do a, I have a, a friend that's going to help me out. Please put this on. I want to illustrate something. Just come and stand up here on the top. I'm going to put this on as well. Okay, so we've blindfolded Dion. Dion, come. Yo, it's hectic up here. Come. Whoop, whoop, sorry. Don't step on that. Come around here, come around here. Stop, up, watch out for the keyboard. We're coming over here. Okay, are you there? Turn around. I don't know if this is going to work. This is a big risk we're taking today. <clears throat> okay, Dion, are you happy, brother? <laughs> okay, we're going to try and get Dion back to his chair without falling over the plug. <laughs> Dion, do you trust me? Dion is an elder in church. He's supposed to trust me. <laughs> okay. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to direct you. You need to go slowly. And uh, everything you touch is a landmine. 
Okay, Dion, go left. Your left, slowly. Yeah, turn left. Yeah, okay, go forward. Forward, go forward. Go forward, go forward. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, turn a little bit to the right. Okay, one step left. Okay, one step forward. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, just other, other foot, other foot. <laughs> a little bit to the right, a little bit. Yes, okay, whoa, 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 keyboard there, a little bit to the left, yes. Okay, there's a plug in front of you, you need to do big step forward, one big step forward. Uh, a little bit further. <laughs> okay, yes, the light's on. <laughs> awesome. Okay, two steps forward. Turn left. A little bit more. Go forward. Forward. A little bit left. A little bit left. Forward. 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 Okay, stop. Turn right. Okay, go forward. Okay, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, dive. <laughs> That's a joke. Okay, one step forward slowly. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, another one. Okay, okay. Now one step down. You're going to feel that. Yeah, there you go. Go one down. Okay, another one down. <laughs> and another one down. Okay, turn left. Go forward. Left, 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 left. <laughs> That's my wife. <laughs> Stay away from my wife. Are you at the chair? Turn around. Turn around. And sit. Yes. Good work, Dion. That is well done. I was worried about the... You were going wrong direction there. But otherwise, it was really good. What's the point of this? The point is, spiritually speaking, we can't see as we see with our physical eyes. If, if, if we're honest, we're all blindfolded spiritually. We're all blindfolded. And all we have... To know which way to go is the voice of God, revealed through his scriptures first and foremost, and then secondly, higher revelation in terms of what he wants us to do in a specific situation. Okay. And it's key. If you need to come through a minefield, and I think that's why so many people have so much destruction in their lives. Because they, they're doing the best way they think, but they're missing they're missing God's direction, and then they bump into things and walk into the minefield and get hurt. Okay, so you need to, we need to hear the voice of God. Amen. Genesis 22, 7 to 8. It says, but Isaac spoke to Abram, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abram said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. And so they went. So they're carrying the wood, they're carrying the fire, and the son is saying, okay, but where's the, where's the offering? Where's the lamb? And Abraham can just speak by faith and say, well, God will provide. God will provide. And again, it's a picture to the New Testament, where God knew that there's no one that could pay the price for our sins but a perfect, blameless, spotless lamb, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So there's already pointing to that awesome day in the future where God would take our place. Jesus would take our place. So look at this quote from Martin Luther. It reveals about faith. 
Faith that is at the heart of being spirit-led. Faith in God constitutes the highest worship, the prime duty, the first obedience, and the foremost sacrifice. Without faith, God forfeits his glory, wisdom, truth, and mercy in us. The first duty of man is to believe in God. The first duty of man is to believe in God. It's the highest form of worship is, God, I believe, I trust in you. And to honor him with his faith. Faith is truly the height of wisdom, the right kind of righteousness, the only real religion. Faith says to God, I believe what you say. Any parent here could, could concur with this. The amazing feeling when your child says to you, Daddy, I trust you. I trust you. That's what God is looking for. And everything flows from that place. When you say, God, I trust in you. I trust in you. It begins with that surrender of self. Saying, God, I don't experience what this pastor is speaking about. And I don't know all of this. I don't understand it. But what I do know is, I need more of you. I need God. And maybe you're in that space this morning. There's that, that, that the first step of faith is to trust the messenger. And you say, I, I hear the messenger. I hear the message. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust. It starts there. It starts for all of us. It starts there. Every one of us at some point had to trust someone, the messenger. A dad, a mom, a youth pastor, a friend who says to you, Jesus is real and he loves you. Trust in him with all your heart. And what are you going to do? Now you have to step out. Okay. I'm going to surrender my life. What do you have to lose? What do you have to lose this morning? You can't lose nothing. By saying, I'm going to choose to trust in a God who gave him his own son, who died for me in, 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 in my place. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Now look at the Lamb of God. I'm going to finish in a moment. John chapter 5, verse 19 to 20. This speaks of how Jesus, the Lamb of God, lived. It says, Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son, that's Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh, can do nothing of himself. Say it, nothing of himself. That's so profound. The Son of God said, I can't can't do anything. Why? Because Jesus came and said, I'm only going to work through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be Spirit-led so that I can be Spirit-empowered. So he said, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. Say, sees. What he sees? Sees is faith. See, to see is to have faith. So Jesus had faith. He saw what the Father is doing and says, whatever he, the Father, does, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. So Jesus is saying, I only do what I see my Father is doing. So Jesus lived in a complete dependence to the Holy Spirit. I'm only going to do what I sense the Spirit is doing. You see, God is always working. Like yesterday. Green top, Adidas. 
I'm not even sure if this is God, but I felt it. And in the end, it was God. But I needed to be willing. I needed to step out. And Jesus said, I only do what the Father does. And he said, the Father will reveal even greater things than this. And you're going to marvel better than Captain America or Iron Man or the Avengers. You're going to truly marvel. That's what I'm trusting God for. That God's going to move so powerfully in this church and through this church that we're going to marvel every Sunday and say, what's better than Avengers? Amen. Now, who wants to watch make-believe where you can do the real deal? Who wants, to, who wants to watch make-believe when you can do the real deal? I don't know. I want to, I want to do the real deal. I want to do the real deal. Let's do the real deal. But then we need to be spirit-led. We need to be spirit-led. We need to see. So Genesis 22, 10 to 13, last bit there. And Abram stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Now you can just imagine what must have been going through his head. It's like, I can't believe, I can't believe I must do this. And then verse 11, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Now I know. How, do you, how, how, do, how does God know that we fear him? It's when we choose to obey him even when it is painful and uncomfortable for ourselves. I, say, I shared a few weeks ago, God is waiting for us outside of our comfort zone. He normally leads us out of our comfort zone, not in. So awesome opportunity next week, Saturday morning, 9 o'clock, out of your comfort zone Let's go hunt some green jerseys with Adidas on them. But God will, that is the way to find if you truly fear God. He says, since you've not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abram lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. This is the same place, the land of Moriah, where Christ was crucified a few thousand years later. So Abram went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. So we need to position ourselves in that place. And then the last verse, Genesis twenty-two fourteen to 17. And Abram called the name of the place the Lord will provide. As it is said in this day, in the mount of the Lord shall be provided. I want to say to you this morning, it has been provided through Jesus Christ. It has been provided. Healing, deliverance, salvation. It has been provided provided. And then the angel of the Lord called to Abram a second time out of heaven and said, by myself I've sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you. Blessing I will bless you. Because you obeyed my voice, blessing I will bless you. And multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore and your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. Wow. That last bit. Isn't that amazing? Your descendants, I believe it's physical, but also spiritual. When you and I live by faith, when you and I live in obedience to the voice of God, we're going to raise up children in the natural and in the spirit who will possess the gates of their enemies. Our disciples, the people following us, they will overcome. That's God's heart. But we must live by faith. 
all the parents in the house, would you like your kids to overcome? Absolutely. But then you need to live by faith. You need to show the way. And for all of us, if we want to raise up people who truly know God, who possesses the gates of their enemies, we need to step out. Step out. I want to encourage you. It can be small things. It can be big things. When it's big things, please test it with someone that you trust and also hears the voice of God. It's important to test, not to run off after anything, but to step out. It's like now with us. Coming back from India last year, I felt the Lord say to us, go to Argentina. We had no connections in Argentina. We went to Argentina in April, and we got an incredible God connection with pastors and leaders there. The whole of South America is opening up now. Why? Because I obeyed the voice of God by His grace. By His grace. So the moment you obey, you position yourself in a place of blessing. Amen. Amen. A spirit-empowered church is a spirit-led church. Amen. Please stand with me. Abraham's the father of the faith. He shows us the way. He shows us the way. We are sons of Abraham, the New Testament says. Let's become spirit-led people, but then you need to step out.